the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. Welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we are at the NRB Conference in Dallas, Texas, and we are here with uh, Jason Brown, CEO of Called Higher Studios, as well as and, and Jonas Byler of Auntie Anne's Pretzels. We are excited to have this conversation with you guys. Jason, let's start with you. Let's talk a little bit about Called Higher Studios and how did you begin to form this crowdfunding uh, model company and how did you come across Ann Byler's story? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having us uh, on your podcast. Um, you know, I got to take it back a little bit, right? I, I ended up, uh, you know, going to film school a long, long time ago and uh, produced a few movies and it was one of the hardest things in the world, right? You're, you're out there beating the streets and you're trying to raise, you know, a couple million dollars. You work two or three years to make this movie and you think that it's going to be this great thing. And then you take it out and you realize that you have to go raise more money for print and advertising or marketing. Uh, and it was just a very dejecting you know, experience. And so I left the film world and got into entrepreneurship I owned a couple different companies. Uh, but, I, you know, looking back, I can see that God was, you know, giving me a tool to put in my toolbox. And so it took a very long time for me to actually realize, you know, the tools that I had to begin to to formulate. And, and honestly, you know, the idea is, is from above, right? God kind of plants everything in your head. And, you know, I knew that I love movies, but it was just a very difficult way to make it. And in 2016, the crowdfunding laws changed, right? And it allowed the average person to to invest, uh, you know, some amount of money, whether it's $100 or, you know, $150. And then I read an article by a guy named Ethan Mollick uh, in the Harvard Business Review. And in that article, it said the benefit of crowdfunding isn't the money, it's the community. And that started to, to really get me thinking, right? If you could just get a very large, massive group of Christians together, make movies together, and then go shout about it, like that seemed like a better mousetrap, a better model. Uh, and so I, I went and I found and asked around, uh, you know, who is the best person to bounce this idea off of? And Ash Grayson's name kept coming up. You know, Ash is kind of a titan in that industry. Um, if you look at the top 10 highest grossing faith-based films in the past 20 years, um, Ash has either worked or done the marketing on five of them. You know, he's done God's Not Dead, I Can Only Imagine, War Room, you know, just really understands the marketing of the faith-based market. And so I sat down with Ash, I had a big presentation. Uh, I wanted to tell him all about it. And about a page in, he goes, I love it. I want to be a part of it. Uh, and That's that awesome. was kind of confirmation to me that, okay, you know, this is, you know, this could be real. And so, you know, we, we prayed about it. Uh, we formed the company in 2016. We thought, I'm sorry, in um, 2019, uh, we thought we would raise maybe $100,000, $150,000. Maybe we would get, you know, a couple hundred people, you know, to invest. Uh, and we looked up and we maxed out our raise at a million seventy thousand, And we had 3,000 investors. And we were like, wow, now what do we do? Uh, and so, you know, God's really blessed us. And, you know, I think it, it really validates what people want to see, right? And they understand that Hollywood really isn't making, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not making movies that um, implant values, right? And to teach you things, especially not biblical values. And so if we're going to do that, we're just going to have to do it ourselves. Right. And so that was kind of the, the purpose behind it. And the way that, that I met Anne is my father-in-law knew, knew her brother. 
Uh, we have a podcast called the Worst Day, Best Day podcast. Um, that podcast is really, we just try to find someone who's going through their worst day, stayed close to God, and he's used it in some way to turn them into their best day, right? So we've had Kevin Sorbo and, you know, just different people on the podcast. And, you know, he said, you got to have Ann Byler on your podcast. And so he reached out and, you know, we ended up uh, having a, a great conversation. And at the end of it, I was just blown away. And I was like, has anybody ever, you know, thought about turning your story into a movie? Um, you know, she said that Jonas has for a long time. <laughs> and so they joked about it for a very long time. And so that's kind of how we met and, you know, kind of how God had our paths crossed. And, you know, we're just blessed to, to kind of be shepherds of her story. Absolutely. All right. So, Anne, um, would you mind sharing with us a little more of the background of, you know, Auntie Anne's pretzels and just how you and Jonas really worked together um, to overcome some different challenges that you faced um, before the creation of Auntie Anne's pretzels and just how you're using those stories to encourage thousands, millions today? Mm-hmm. Well, like Jason, I got to go back a little ways, and to just to give you uh, a, a ground a framework of uh, uh, what brought us to where we are right now here today at the NRB, and we're just so grateful for the opportunity to do the podcast with you all. So thank you so much. Um, so Jonas and I grew up in the Amish culture, and um, in in that culture, um, uh, you go through eighth grade. And then you help your mom and dad on the farm, or you help meet the needs of the family. So, we both uh, have that uh, s- that culture in our background. So, uh, when I met Jonas um, at, at the very young age of 16, and uh, got married at 19, but when I met him, um, I realized that um, he's a man of faith, a quiet man, but he's a hard-working Amish dude. And plus, uh, he was uh, tall, dark, and handsome, and that was on my bucket list. Like, he needed to be that. So so he fit the bill. And uh, the day I married Jonas Byler, I felt like I hit the, hit the jackpot. I mean, uh, I didn't know then. I didn't know then what I know now, and that he truly is uh, a, a man of God, a man of faith, a man of character, a patient man. And he learned all of that from his dad. Uh, who lived with his his mother, his father's wife, uh, had a um, uh, going to the hospital when she had her fourth baby and nearly died and became almost an invalid for a number of years. So his father, the character of his father, is truly passed on uh, to Jonas. So I'm grateful for a, a good man, and uh, I always start my when I go out to speak. I'm here today because of the power of grace and one really good man in my life. And uh, I, I feel extremely blessed as as a young girl. My only goal was to be um, uh, to be a mom, and we wanted to follow our mom and dad's. Um, uh, they role model family and uh, in the Amish in the Mennonite culture that's really mostly what every little girl wants to, to do is to have their own family one day and so we uh, married at a very young age and um, and living our dream and uh, we were happy as uh, uh, we could be and I used to say to him I think uh, wow I can't believe life is so good for us it was just uh, we were just really happily married and had uh, ended up with two children uh, seven years into the marriage and it all changed for us and you know we grew up in church mom and dad taught us um, you go to church in Sunday school and um, they taught us about faith and family and community and 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 also the idea was that you know if you really if if you're good, if you keep all the Ten Commandments and you do it just right. They didn't, never said this, but it was the overarching <clears throat> message that we heard every Sunday and from our parents. If you're good, then God will bless you. And uh, and I, 
I still believe that, you know, uh, it's, it's good to be good. Uh, but uh, when I found myself in a place in a very, very dark world and um, had, had taken some, made some terrible choices and I found myself in a place where I was not very good anymore and I didn't believe that God loved me. But the, the day that um, our second daughter, Angela Joy, um, was truly the joy of our life and Jonas um, had a very unique and special relationship with Angie, but at the age of 19 months old, she walked out of our double wide trailer and um, she was walking to our, my mom's house. We lived on the same farm and, <coughs> excuse me, on the way up to my mom's house, my sister was working for my dad and um, using a bobcat to um, hall sand and that particular morning she didn't see angie and accidentally ran over her and angie was killed that morning so being a good girl and knowing that we did everything just right <laughs> at least we thought we did and um uh, so when that happened of course like everyone else in the world uh, when tragedy happens you always ask god why I mean, I say always. I haven't heard anyone yet that I know uh, that didn't like question when tragedy or trauma happens, uh, why did you let this happen to me, right? Um, so that became uh, my journey, and Jonas and I, both of us, and at that time, uh, because we grew up in a household where you really don't express um, your feelings, there's a lot of conversation in our homes, but it was all about... I don't know, the weather, school, the, the work, the farm, the whatever, but it was never about uh, how you feel. And so going into that uh, tra traumatic experience, we didn't know how to verbalize what our feelings to each other. And so, and in the church that we were attending at that time, it was all about having victory in Christ and being more than a conqueror and all these. And, and so as time goes on, my feelings are getting, it's, it's going deeper and deeper and deeper into this place of grief and uh, no one knew. And the two of us lived uh, pretty silent uh, together. We'd talk about our kids. Our other, we had one other daughter at that time who was four or almost five. And so, you know, we had kind of normal family you know, stuff went on, continued to go to church. And, and five months into the grief, um, I, I felt like I couldn't bear it anymore. So I went to see our pastor, uh, who was a man that we trusted completely. And when I left his office, he took advantage of me. And because of that choice that I made that morning walking out of his office, I decided that I would never tell anyone because nobody would believe me. And besides, how do I tell anyone what he just did? I, I really didn't know how. So it was a very quick uh, decision that I made. I, I remember the exact place I was when I said, I'm never telling anyone. And so that secret then kept me in that re abusive relationship. It was abuse of every kind uh, for the next al almost seven years. Um, never telling anyone. Um, Nobody knew, and my perpetrator became my lifeline. Um, he was the only person in my life that, uh, in, a, in a weird way, if, if you've been there, you understand that, but if you haven't, it's really hard to explain. And uh, so at the end of seven years, by the, by the end of that, I was completely broken and thought life was over for me. God was for sure finished with me. I was unlovable, I was unforgivable, I knew for, for sure uh, that uh, I was unforgivable and unchangeable. And so I'm stuck in this place. And um, one day um, I, I wept my way through those seven years asking God why and how did I get here and how do I get out? How can I get out? And um, so one day I just, um, God just was very clear with me, go tell Jonas what's happening in your life. 
And uh, I did not want to do that. I wanted to keep praying and talking to Jesus about this because he's my, he's my secret keeper. And um, by now I weighed 90 pounds and um, broken uh, from the inside out. I was just completely a shell. I had nothing to give. And when I made that two-sentence, very, very difficult um, confession to Jonas, uh, I drove to his body shop and told him what was going on. There was no conversation. There was no hugs. There was no um, uh, forgiveness at that moment. I, I, there was nothing except that I told him what I'd been into. And he just looked at me, and the look on his face said to me, you, you, I, I got to go. I got to go. I can't, I can't look at that face. It was too hard. So I go home, and that evening um, we talk, and he said to me, um, so I knew now, so in our pain, we believe lies. That's just where we go with it. We believe, we truly believe lies. We don't know they're lies. So it's, you know, crazy, you, but, but it becomes a part of your thought process every day, every day, every day. You believe these lies. That Satan, um, you know, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's really good at that, <laughs> as long as we let him do that. And so that day I put a stop to, I didn't realize it at the time, but to the lies that I believed, because I knew that Jonas was going to divorce me and take the kids. But I still want to be a wife. I still want to be a mom. I still wanted to be with my kids. So um, so we came home, and we began to talk about it. And we didn't talk much about it, but <laughs> a little bit. And he said to me, hon, we need to talk. And and, and I, I, did not, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I, I, I made that confession, and that was enough. Um, so, but he started by saying that, you know, I know that you're not happy, and I, I do want you to be happy, dear. I want you to be happy. So if you want to, um, if you feel like you need to leave, um, don't leave a note on the dresser at night and leave without me knowing, but tell me that you want to go, and we'll find a house for you, and I'll help you pack your bags, but we're going to do this together. And then he said, if you go, you have to take the, you have to take the girls. So that was a moment I never forgot, because it's the moment that gave me hope. And I, oh, suddenly the light was turned on, like, oh my goodness, he, he still believes in me? He still believes that I need to be a mother to his two children after all of I've, I've done? So that was, you know, so, so my message today really is, is the power of confession. And it's all about redemption, and I always say you don't know the beauty of redemption until you know the story of brokenness. You, you just can't put the two, you, you don't understand the power of that unless you hear the broken part of it. And that's the kind of story that we find ourselves living every day. And that's why I say because of the grace in one really good man in my life, that's why I'm here. Otherwise, I promise you, I would not be here because I was on my way out. So I'm just grateful. and. Um, for this uh, opportunity that we have to share our story in, in a much bigger way. And um, it's all about hope for people and because there's an awful lot of people that are in our shoes today. There's so many people that are hopeless. It's dark. They really believe there's no way out. Hmm. Yeah, but there is. Yeah, amen. Well, um, Jonas and Anne, would you mind um, just you know, touching on that process of, you know, the how the redemption began after the confession was made, just speak to that, um, you know, both of you jump in, um, just 
how that process started, um, any challenges during that process that you would like to share or not share any victory, you know, just, um, yeah, please. Well, I just want Jonas to take it from here for a little bit. You, you tell them um, your response and what you did. Anyhow, she, uh, when she left, I began to think this over and uh, we had we had a guy that came to our church two weekends prior to this and talked about marriage and family. And he spent a lot of time with the couples. And of course, he's the first guy I thought about. And a day later, I called him, told him what was going on, and uh, he had pretty much figured out what this pastor was like just by being there at the church. And he said, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. So uh, we, we talked maybe 15 minutes at the most. And uh, when he, uh, he, he said, I don't want to set you up for uh, more failure. <laughs> because that's the last thing you need. I mean, at this point, I just, uh, I just felt stripped. Uh, I, was, I was as low as I could go. She usually says the worst day of her life was when our daughter was killed. I usually say the worst day of my life was when I thought we were losing the marriage. Uh, you know, coming from a culture that that's what you do, uh, you just don't want to lose what you believe in, live for, work so hard for. <clears throat> so in, in a moment's time, you know, I felt stripped of my masculinity, my self-esteem, my spirituality. Uh, it was all gone. Uh, so that in that desperate situation, I called this guy, and he said to me, if there's any chance of you... Uh, winning this marriage back. It, it is in that you love her the way Christ loves you. And, and if he had said the way Christ loves the church, I wouldn't have bought it because I didn't feel like the church served me right at that point. But he said, he, it, it, it was profound. He said, love her the way Christ loves you. And people ask me sometimes, well, what was that journey like? I'm still working on it. You, you don't exhaust that. But I decided to do my best to love my wife and children that way. And uh, it took two years, two and a half years before I seen any response from her that indicated to me that this might be working. Uh, and it wasn't God's fault, it was my fault. I fumbled around, <laughs> you know, uh, trying different things, and wow, it was just, it was just unreal. But that, that comment he made, that challenge he gave me changed my life. I've never been the same since. And it wasn't a fix-all at that time, so we just continued to try and communicate. He talked about communication the two weekends prior to this. And uh, that's why I said to her when I got home from work, I said, we need to communicate. It was like a brand new word to us. At that time, really, it, see, it sounds kind of 
crazy, but it was uh, communicate. Wow. And we, we did our best, but it was difficult. I think that the, one of the things that really uh, helped us at that time, of course, Jonas's response to me was, there was no guilt. He never made me feel bad for anything that I'd done. And I couldn't understand that. But then he never told me about this um, decision that he made was to love me as Christ loves him. It was probably a year and a half later that he actually told me about that. And I remember um, my one sister called me. And um, at that time, the pastor, the um, he'd also been abusing our, my sisters and a friend or two of mine at the same time, which all of this came out at the same time. And so as we... Um, began to restore our marriage and m my relationship with my sisters. And one day she called me and she said, so um, how are you and Jonas doing? And um, at that time we had uh, phones on the walls with a, an extension cord, if you remember, if, I don't know how <laughs> how far back you all go, but you know we had one phone in the house and the extension cord. And so I took the phone and I took it way back in the hallway so that he wouldn't hear us talk. But he heard us talk. And so that particular phone call, I said to my sister, uh, I said, I don't know, I, I don't understand it, but there's something about Jonas's spirit that makes me want to be with him. And th that was, and he heard me say that. And that was a, a very, uh, that was a, a moment for him that let him know that what he was doing was actually working. I, and again, I didn't know uh, his journey at that time. I had no idea what he was trying to, what he was trying to do. But but the other thing we did was we went for counseling, uh, maybe five sessions. Um, and I didn't want to go for counseling. I mean, hey, listen, I kept a secret for all these years. I held it together, right? Um, I didn't need anyone to help me. I mean, how? That that just sounds so ridiculous to me now, but at the time. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt like, wow, I survived. You know, I got through this. Jonas knows we're on our way. But we went for about five sessions, and that was really the the kickstart for our marriage. And then um, many years of you know struggle from 19 at the beginning of 1982, and then Auntie Anne started in 1988. So there was six years of of um, restoration that happened there, which was. Um, time enough for us to see God's redemption and to rebuild. Um, we still had a ways to go. I mean, what I think what most people don't understand is the impact of abuse, whether it's a child. For me, I was a grown woman, and that, that was the part that I couldn't... I couldn't wrap my arms around the fact that, I mean, for many years, I really believed it was an affair. It's very similar to that, but... Um, as I began to understand abuse of spiritual power and sexual abuse and went to see Dr. Richard Dobbins in Akron, Ohio, I will never forget, uh, as I sat uh, with him one my very first session, he looked at me and he said, Anne, you just have to know, none of this is your fault. And I believed him because that was true. And so I had believed lies all these years. But when, I, when truth was spoken to me, I knew what was true. So as I began to understand what really, really happened to me and to Jonas and our whole family, um, 
it, it's like I had a different um, view about it, and so I could fight it in a different way. And Dr. Dobbins gave us the tools yeah. Amen. that we needed. When uh, life's a journey, and when you get hurt in this journey, and if you want to change, then healing becomes your journey. I don't know anybody that experiences very much healing instantly. Maybe a few do, but we did not. It was a journey. And uh, I, I've, it, it just happens a little at a time. It seems lengthy, but <laughs> that, that's the way it happens. And uh, we were fortunate to have good help. And uh, when he said to her, uh, that it's not our fault. I had to think about that one a little bit. Because until then, I mostly believed she had an affair. But this is how healing starts to happen. You reinterpret. The experience doesn't change. But with better information, you start to reinterpret what happened. And with, with that kind of information, we were able to uh, think differently about what had happened to us. And uh, that, that was so helpful because I began to understand, along with her, that this is abuse of spiritual power. It should have never happened. Should have never happened. The guy is just out of control. He's in a position that he don't need to be in. And uh, I just looked at it very different, looked at her very different at that point. I keep on thinking about, you know, several things. One, when when pain happens, you know, our culture and just spiritually, you know, we're kind of told cover it up. We don't that shame, you know, and the enemy brings shame and that's one of his main tools is just to lock you up, keep you kind of that that sheep that's kind of offset and, you know, away and you know, you're the only one that's feeling that. You're the only one that's experienced that and he just heaps that shame upon you and and if you don't go to the healer, man, there's there's just no freedom to be found. And so, I, but I love how you guys communicated because that's a huge word. So many marriages fall apart because of a lack of communication. And I love how you pushed through that and that openness and that transparency because it requires that healing requires transparency and communication. You can't move forward without beginning to bring those things out of your heart exposing that um, because you know you have to expose darkness with light and if there's not if light doesn't touch darkness man it just remains and it just remains dark and I love the kind of the, from communication to affirmation because you didn't know he heard you but those words were life-giving weren't they um, that to hear the affirmation from from a spouse, um, those words are so life giving, and they can they you know we forget that life and death are in the power of the tongue, aren't they? And we can speak life and we can speak death, but that those words were life to you and and life to your marriage. They they could they helped you push on through those dark times, you know. And I just think about how the enemy, you know, like you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And how truth was spoken to you that day, and you immediately recognize truth. You know, there's something inside of us innately that identifies truth. When you have, when you have God and you have the Spirit, like you know truth innately, and that truth set you free that day, and it began this whole journey of restoration. And you know, and I love how there was that six years of restoration, 
but it's almost funny because on that seventh year you began to move into a whole new level of 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 you know God gave you something new you began to work at and he, out of those six years of of restoration came something new and um, something new that you could grow a new you know child a new baby you know something to focus your attention your love and your unity on and you began to grow this and so tell us a little bit more how you kind of came out of that 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 season of your life and moved into this anti the story of auntie Anne's. Mm-hmm. so alone we die connected we live that's just like true you know and so that's why satan's whole plan is to isolate us and as you just said and then i've also said that when he finally gets you into this dark world of his he gives you the tools to get around it's it's same way with holy spirit when he when he gets a hold of us he brings us into the light he gives us the tools that we need to overcome so you learn in the dark world how to get around you figure it out in the, in the world of light. God gives you the tools, and God gave us the tools to to walk into a world of light. I love the the, the verse in First John one seven. If we walk in the light, if we do, then we have fellowship, and then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So it's amazing. If we walk in the light, then we have fellowship, and then we're cleansed. There's something powerful about connection and confession. And so Auntie Anne's was started because, so Jonas did a lot of studies with at Emerge Ministries in Ohio, and he wanted to become a, a counselor. So he became a layman's counselor, did a, um, did a, a course online, not online, it was um, correspondence. There was no online courses in those days. Uh, So correspondence course, and he became a layman's counselor. And he became so passionate about people's behavior and human uh, psychology, and he'd never studied any of that before. And Jonas is very dyslexic, and for him then to go and study and really um, become a a layman's counselor, it, it was, the whole thing was so unbelievable to him and to me and miraculous that, so here we go, we're walking in the light, God's giving us the tools that we need to build our marriage, but not just for that. He's doing it so that we can now become a voice and encouragement and hope and, and do, it's, it's beyond our wildest dreams. But we started Auntie Anne's because he became passionate about helping other people, started counseling in our home, a church, in the community, whoever would come, sure, come on, come on, come on. And so he was counseling all day long as a free service, and he did that for almost 15 years. So at the very beginning, though, I was smart enough to know if you're going to do free service, you, no, no money's going into the bank. I'm just saying somebody's going to have to make a living. And so I said to him one day, I'm just going to go to work and, you know, you can do what you need to do. And I, we were passionate about what he was doing. And, and we were doing some counseling together, but mostly um, he was doing it. So Auntie Anne started them because I went to work uh, making soft pretzels so that he could do what he wanted to do. His ministry was counseling. My ministry was Auntie Anne's, the business. I wish that we would understand our business <laughs> is a call of God. And when you understand that, when you understand that, it changes why you're doing it. And so we were clear about the fact that he he is the counselor. I'm Auntie Anne, the businesswoman. Now, I was not Auntie Anne, the businesswoman when I started. Let me tell you, I knew nothing zero about business. 
But again, you walk in the light, God's going to give you the tools that you need to do whatever he's called you to do. And so we just stayed amazed from that point on. We've just been amazed. We're still amazed, <laughs> you know, what God's done. The redemption is full. It's free. There's nothing lacking. And so for anyone listening, if you're stuck, I understand. But I have to tell you, there is a way out. Get to the light. Follow the light. And God will give you the tools that you need to do what you need in your life, to transform you. I often believe that we, we want God to do for us what he, he, can't, he can't make us walk in the light. He doesn't, we're, we're, we have choices to make, like Adam and Eve. We have choices to make. And once we begin to make right choices, the hard things, the hard choices, then he will guide us into this path of light and freedom that's so unbelievable that you're just in awe about it. And today here we are with, with Jason and Call to Hire Studio and and we're amazed all over again that wow, I, I don't even know, you know, but we do know we have a story to tell. And that story is really never giving up. It's trusting yes. God and it's I love how I love how you're really helping people have gone through similar things, maybe not, you know, the exact, but, you know, that have gone through pain and have gone through hurt. And you're, you're really giving them a model. You're giving some tools just by sharing your story, you know, because again, you know, something happened you know, that was dark and you, you brought it to light. You communicated, there was affirmation, you worked together. There was a healing process, but I, I love how you didn't just stay there. Um, because so many people want to become the victim at that. They, they choose to become the victim and, and you have that, you know, bitter or better option and you, you, you chose better. And from there, I love that you put your hand to something, you know, truly you were, you know, putting your hand to making Absolutely. pretzels <laughs> and God says he'll bless what you put your hand to. That's right. That's right. And you didn't just wallow in misery you didn't can i say i'm a victim this happened to me god can never use me again mm -hmm. you went through that healing process because you know there's there's a time and a place for everything right mm -hmm. we we know that and there probably was it wasn't the right time one year into your restoration or mm -hmm. two years into but there was a time where mm -hmm. it was time mm -hmm. it you know and there's those, those times that are appointed and you put your hand to it and god blessed it and he mm -hmm. brought restoration and now he's able to you know as you as it's kind of been become a larger story and it's be, he's blessed it he's enabled you to share your story and set so many people free because again when we bring things to light it sets not only yourself free but it allows other people to say yeah me too i've been through that too yeah. and if god did and and here's the thing about god if he did it for you and he'll do it for someone anyway, else he's not anyone. a respecter That's of a right. person right. you know he will he will set them free if they'll trust and go through that process if they're again that fellowship you talk about fellowship yeah, with God. If you bring those things to light, he'll do that. He's absolutely. not, he's, he's not going to leave people out in the dark if they come and fellowship with him. Absolutely. We all go through the victim stage. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of, it's in our, when it happens to us, whether you, you lost a, a child or whether you've been abused or whether you've gone through a divorce or whether you, uh, all kinds of things, we, 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 can, we quickly go to the victim stage and then you go to the survivor stage like, oh, wow, I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm through that. Wow, this is amazing. Okay, surviving is not overcoming. 
surviving, the picture I have of surviving is uh, me. Like you're out in the middle of the, the ocean or maybe a pond that's 20 feet deep and you, you, all you do is you're trying to keep, stay above water. That's surviving. But I believe, totally believe that Jesus came to set us free. He wants us to live an overcoming life. And the overcoming life happens as we begin to communicate and bring all of our deeds into the light. And as we, uh, we practice the lifestyle of confession, if we confess our faults, our sins, our failures, our struggles, whatever's going on in my feelings, one to another, and pray for one another. We, we got that part down. I'll pray for you, brother. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. But, but I'm not going to tell you what's going on in my life. Are you kidding me? No. But if we do that, then we will be, it's a promise, then we'll be healed. So victim, survivor, overcomer. Amen. That's where God really, Jesus gave his life for that. He gave his life for that. Uh, Dan, uh, our counselor taught us Satan builds his strongholds in the secrets of our lives, and he reinforces them by silence. When we break the silence, we break those strongholds. And we've done that by starting to communicate. Bring, bring things out in the open. It's difficult, oh, it's but hard. it's the right it's hard. thing. It takes humility. And, and the, the, the godly counselor that advised me to love her like Christ loves me said one more thing that impacted me a lot. He said, uh, you want to know the truth about what happened, but you don't want the gory details. So don't ever ask her a lot of questions. And I didn't. He said, when you ask too many questions, you start, you, you set off a bunch of videos in your head that you don't need. And I'm so thankful he shared that with me. Hey Amen. What an amazing truth. I love that you said he, he leads us kind of in victory, leads us an overcoming life. And that's, you know, what he really wants for all of us is to yes. have an overcoming life. And I love how, you know, you, the story of you, it, it could have been hidden. You could have wallowed there. You could have stayed there and it couldn't completely been a different trajectory for your life, but you chose life. You chose to expose that. And now, you know, with working with Jason, um, you're able to get that story out to even more people and help more people be set free. And so, Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, just the, the filming of the project and just the, the crowdfunding model? How can people begin to connect in to Cold Hire Studios and the projects that you guys are creating? How can people begin to, to find out more about the, the upcoming projects? Where can they go to find that? And how can people support films such as this one? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Um, you know, one thing <clears throat> I would have to say is I want to touch on two things you said earlier, right? One, you said that you recognize truth, right? But we have to remember, like Jesus said, I am the truth, right? So what you're really saying is, oh, I recognize Jesus. I recognize the light, right? And so that kind of really stuck out with me. And then a verse came to mind 
And as I'm sitting here listening to their story, and it's First Timothy 1.15, right? And it says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Right? And I look at called our studios, and I, and I ask, what is our role in this, right? At the end of the day, you know, are we supposed to make a movie and, and make money? You know, I, I don't think that's it, right? I mean, God, God used his son to go and he taught in parables, right? He took stories and he healed someone and then he took that story to go and use it to heal someone else, right? And so it would be so easy for people to look from the outside and go, this is a story about a pretzel and how they made a lot of money and built this great business. You miss it, right? It wasn't about the five loaves and the two fishes. It was about trusting Jesus to be able to provide for that, right? In the Last Supper, it wasn't about a cup of, of wine and, and bread. It was about the, the sacrifice that Jesus was about to make for us. It's not about the pretzel, right? You have to look beyond that and understand that what they were doing and, you know, the example that they were setting. If, if you imagine this— in a completely dark room, all it takes is one little spark of light to change it, right? And I look at it and I see what Jonas did, right? Jonas loved her the way that Christ loved him. He showed her unconditional love, and that was the spark that was able to, to turn the entire story around, right? And so for us, we want to make a movie that goes and helps people, right? At the end of the day, when you look at that verse, it says, so that Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him. He wants more people to believe in him, right? Our, our job as a shepherd of this story is to tell a movie so that other people can look at it and say, oh, I want to believe in Jesus, right? And the way they do that is, is in, in my opinion, is look at these broken people, right, and how they loved each other and how they believed in God and how, how Jesus demonstrated his love in their life, right? And you're, you have to remember your blessing may not be a pretzel empire, right? It may just be a healed marriage. It may just be getting a little bit closer to God, right? It may just be believing in Jesus, right? But his word doesn't return void. And so for us, you know, we're just really grateful for the opportunity to to look at the story. And I'll be honest, every time I hear Ann and Jonas tell their story, it's just like God, right? When I got into this, I was like, oh, this is the story. And then I hear them, I'm like, okay, maybe that's not the story. Maybe this is the story. And every time I hear you tell it, you know, what comes to mind is there's so many, there's so many layers, right? There's a marriage story in here, right? There's uh, an overcoming trauma story here. There is faithfulness. There's redemption, right? There's trial. There's so many things. And so, you know, we're just really honored to be a part of it. And to answer your last question, how people can get involved, you know, if they go to our website, which is called HireStudios.com, they can, you know, they can learn about what we're doing. At the end of the day, we're, we have over 5,000 investors right now, and that's growing every day. Um, people can actually still buy stock right now. If, if, if this podcast airs, it closes on June 30th. Uh, so they can still buy stock in the company, which means they, you know, actually own a piece of every movie that we do. So they own a, a piece of Ann's story. They own a part of this movie. Uh, and so they can still do that. But at the end of the day, they, they don't have to invest. They can just sign up for our email list and be a part of our community. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to build a community of people 
who want to go and share the gospel. Right, and the way that the tools that we were able to do is just film and television, right? And so God gave them, you know, the ability to to use a pretzel and go do all this other amazing things. And so for us, you know, the tools that we were given were just, you know, t- uh, storytellers. And so we're we're honored to be able to to represent, you know, all of these people and to go tell amazing stories. And you know, we're just. Uh, it's, I think we get more out of this than other people, right? And I think that's true, you know, for most people. If you really look at the situation, you think you're going to get something out of it, and, you know, God's, God teaches you, you know, and everything. So I, I think that we're probably getting more blessed just by going through this experience than, than you realize. So, so, yeah, so that's it. Wow, amazing. So, so let, me, let me just say real quick, you know, God gave us a platform. You mentioned that. Uh, I'm sorry, he gave us a pretzel first just a pretzel and then it gave us a platform to share our story for god's glory it's uh, in a nutshell that's what it's all about amazing wow what an amazing story what an honor to, to hear it what an honor to sit thank you for serving and, and getting the world stories like this that it will encourage so many people and bring truth to so many people we speak blessings on it thank you thank you Thank you very much.